A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Scoopy Radio is brought to you by our sponsor, Sleepovation. Want to save $50 on a bed? Use the promo code SCOOP, that's S-C-O-O-P, when you visit sleepovation.com. Sleepovation is the world's only mattress with individual support. They have 700 individual pressure relief points that move while you sleep. It's the number one mattress for back pain as well. Sleepovation also has a 100-night risk-free trial, 10-year limited warranty, and individual cushion cradles that provide the perfect balance between comfort and spine support for pain relief. Visit sleepovation.com and don't forget to use the promo code SCOOP. That's S-C-O-O-P. Scoop B Radio. Scoop B Radio. In your area code, in your suitcase, on a TV screen, everywhere you want to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. You're listening to Scoop B Radio. Subscribe on all platforms. Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher app, Apple Podcasts, or simply visit ScoopBRadio.com. And the ESPYs of this week, and what better way to bring it in than having some familiar names? On the line right now is Sydney Scott, the daughter of legendary ESPN anchor, broadcaster. Stuart Scott, we're waiting for her sister Taylor to get on the line. She's overseas, but... First of all, Sydney, welcome to Scoop B Radio. Scoop B Radio. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> yes, man. We've been going back and forth on Twitter trying to make this happen, and it's finally here. So first and foremost, what are you doing now? Right now, uh, we're actually at um, the golf tournament this week. Um, that is raising money for my dad's uh, memorial research grant. Um, and so this morning, we started off with the celebrity uh, well, last night we had the celebrity pairing party, and then this morning we kicked it off and we teed off at about uh, 8.30. Your dad was inspirational to me. Uh, I first met him in 2008 after I finished uh, undergrad, and a friend of mine worked at VH1, and he was taping some culture show uh, at VH1, and uh, my friend told me that... Uh, She'd like me to come, and, you know, after your dad was taping, he actually kind of talked to me afterwards and asked me what my plan was to get you where I wanted to get me to where I wanted to get. 
And I told him, and literally 10 years later, I'm on the phone interviewing you. Uh, it's surreal to me uh, because he took time with people. Uh, he was a people person. He cared about people. He made someone who looked like me or looked like him uh, want to pursue a career in journalism. How often do you and your sister hear that? I think that is one of the most incredible things that my sister and I have experienced since our dad passed is that, you know, it's never easy and and it doesn't get any easier, but it has led to opportunities to connect with people that sort of have these things that we called stew stories. And it's sort of people that we've never met and we might not have come across otherwise that have these really, really incredible little anecdotes about interactions with our dad um, and things that he said that inspired them or encouraged them or were just funny to them. And it's, it's really, really incredible to sort of discover and keep discovering that someone that was so important and special in our lives had this, incredible impact on other people's lives as well. I went to Thailand on vacation at the beginning of this year, uh, and I stepped outside of my hotel uh, and passed by a bar, and they were playing Tupac. They could barely speak a lick of English, but they knew the words for changes. Uh, when I look at Stuart Scott, being able to make hip-hop cool on camera, uh, he was ahead of his time. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Why? I agree because... Even right now in 2018, there are spaces and sort of atmospheres where it is still a an effort, and it, or it still requires effort, and it is still um, a bit of a, a bit of a struggle to be yourself in places where there's already sort of an established way that things are supposed to be, and so the fact that my dad was able to be in a space that wasn't necessarily established for him and people like him and to create his own space in that and to create a space to invite other people that were like him into that. It, that, that was one of the most incredible things to me. When I look at Bleacher Report and I look at just even the Shiggy Challenge, you know, Kiki, do you love me? And, uh, you know, you saw everybody on Instagram kind of just going all out with that last week. Um, but then when I look at the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, I think I look at that as another artifact, um, <laughs> as just being ahead of his time. When I look at the 90s, I look at, I see Will Smith and I see Stuart Scott. And I don't think people really understand it, it, the significance until now where everybody's just being themselves. And as I'm, you know, was preparing to talk to you guys today, uh, I looked at some of your dad's catchphrases. Um <laughs> You got, everybody talks about cool as the other side of the pillow. Everybody yep. talks about you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the heck out of here, which was from Martin and from every local <laughs> DJ. Can I get a witness from the congregation? They call yep. him the Wednesday man because he's always cleaning the glass. He treats him like a dog, sit, stay. They must call him butter because he's on a roll. He's on a like gravy on a biscuit. It's all good. And the Lord said, you got to rise up. And then, you, of course, you got Lottie Dottie, he likes to party. He don't cause trouble. He don't bother nobody. If you could pick your top three, what would they be and why? Oh, man, you just gave a <laughs> you gave the, the full list, didn't you? Um, <laughs> let's see. I would pick, can I get a witness from the congregation? Amen. Um, call him Butter because he's on a roll. Mm-hmm. And the one you didn't mention... Um, I know it's a little bit cliche, but I'd have to pick Booyah just because 
That is something that he did actually say at my soccer games, at dance recitals, where it's probably a little less appropriate to yell. Um, and so that was one that, you know, I could, I could sort of see that part of him that was, that he expressed when he was working. And it was a part of him that I knew to be my dad. So wait a second, you said your dance recitals and your soccer games, would this be after you scored a goal or after, and after you like hit a condo releve and plie? Like, <laughs> first position, second position, like what, what, what would cause him to actually say these things? Soccer games, um, ooh, uh, soccer games were goals, definitely um, a good tackle, a good run, um, anything pretty much. And then dance recitals. My sister and I both danced. And the good news is, is that he usually um, he usually refrained from shouting until after the number was finished. So he didn't he didn't interrupt them. He did hold back enough, but he actually had this tradition um, when my sister and I were young that when we would go and have our bows at the end of the show, he would throw our flowers onto the stage in front of us, and so and yell Buya at the end. And so that was something that that's why Buya is is so special to me because I have all of these really really poignant memories that are sort of attached to that. Surely. What was it like going to school for, for you guys? I, I asked that because I was with Odell Beckham Jr.'s mom and sister recently, and I asked her sister, who's in high school, uh, how it was for her, and she said that you know her classmates know who she is and who her, her brother is, uh, but they don't bombard her too much. But they know. Did you face any similar uh, things going to school? I'd say it was pretty similar. Um, when I was very little, I wouldn't say that there was too much of an impact. And, you know, he was always there to pick me up after school, but I don't think a lot of my classmates really recognized him. Um, and then when I started to get a little older and some of the people started watching ESPN and following sports, you know, I'd get a couple people that would come up to me and say, wait, so is your dad Stuart Scott? And I'd say, yes. And they'd say, that's so cool. And they'd ask me who I'd met. Um, and it was never something that impacted my life in a negative way. It was sort of just that I got the opportunity to have cool little connections with people that I otherwise might not have. Um, so it was, it was definitely, it was, it was cool. It was never, it was never a negative. Scoopy Radio on the, on the line with Shitty Scott. She's out in LA. She says the weather is better in LA. Get back on the East Coast and She's enjoying it. Of course, it's SB weekend. Um, you said the weather was that good. How good are we talking? Uh, well, I'm from Connecticut, so pretty much anything above a good 67 degrees is what I consider good weather. Um, and today it's a little cloudy, but yesterday it was warm. The day before it was warm, and I actually checked my weather app, and I just see straight sun for days and days to come. So you, my mom is probably going to have a hard time getting me to actually go back to the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, we talked about going to school and, you know, people watching ESPN and, and knowing who your dad is. And being children of a prominent public figure has its benefits. I, I look at uh, Jamie Foxx's daughter, for example, she's now on the TV show Be Shazam as a DJ, I believe. And growing up even now, how do you maintain your individualism and remain true to you? That's really interesting. Um, I think that, honestly, there was a time in my life when I was younger where, during, or rather during which, my dad was away a lot. Um, and so I sort of, you know, he would miss Father's Day sometimes because he was working. And so I sort of saw, you know, that sports world as the world that was responsible for that. And there were times when I was very little that I would, you know, I'd be upset 
you know, at ESPN or at the NFL or things like that, because I felt like, you know, that was the reason I didn't have my dad sometimes. And so I think that I definitely grew up um, loving sports in that I played them, um, but definitely sort of driven to find other things that interested me um, and different avenues through which I could express myself. And so especially now, um, since my dad has passed and my sister and I um, have been doing a, um, a lot more work in terms of cancer research and things that relate to the sports world. Um, I've definitely been welcomed back with open arms and I really, really appreciate that. You know, I, I, I have endless love for my ESPN family and my Jim Easy family, but I do think that I was able to sort of grow into my own person. And my dad definitely encouraged that, you know, there, it, it's funny. A lot of people know him as just the sports guy, but my sister and I have sometimes talked about the fact that he actually really loved Broadway musicals, loved to sing, loved to dance, even though he, you know, wasn't the best at either of those. Um, and so I think just, he always encouraged my sister and I to pursue the things that we cared about. And if it was, if it didn't, if it just so happened that those weren't the things that he was personally passionate about, he was just as supportive of our pursuit of them as if they were something that he had been really passionate about. So you said he, he's, he's a fan of the arts, uh, acting, uh, or rather Broadway plays and, and music. So are we talking on the music side? Was he a blend of Anita Baker's Sweet Love and Notorious <laughs> B.I.G.'s Big Papa? Where, where do we, or, or are we talking Kirk Franklin and the family? Where are we drawing that line? Um, the really cool thing is, is that I don't think he actually towed a line at all in that he, I remember we grew up listening to Run DMC, the Beastie Boys, the Fugees, um, you know, and that definitely influenced my taste in music, but he really enjoyed, again, he really enjoyed, um, the soundtrack from West Side Story, Memphis. Mm -hmm wicked so it definitely spanned a whole lot of genres and, and that was one of the things that I really appreciated about him but he he definitely had a, the appreciation for a lot of different kinds of music 25 years ago uh, Jim Valvano gave his memorable speech uh, at the SB Awards and basically uh, he said don't give up and that was his message uh, kind of similar to your dad in 2014 how does when you look at the two speeches uh, how does Jimmy V's speech in your mind compared to the one that your dad gave at the ESPYs in 2014? In my mind, I don't think that I've ever compared them. And I think that they definitely stand together. I know that my dad was extremely, extremely influenced by Jim Valvano's speech. You know, he watched it. He, he probably watched it hundreds of times. Um, but I knew that he also had a message that he wanted to give that wasn't different for the sake of being different, but just different because it was his. And I think that together they are, they sort of complete a message that is powerful and that is influential and that is important. And I don't think that he ever would have wanted it to be used sort of as a comparison, but rather you know, two people who had something valuable to say and wanted what and wanted what they felt and what they knew to be as impactful to people as possible. And so I, I think that I and I think that they were both successful in that. And you taught me, I, I, I think that this anchor thing might work out for you uh, as a <laughs> because you definitely like gave part of the answer to my next question, uh, which was uh, your dad's actual speech and the line that stood out to me gave me chills. Uh, he said, when you die, it does not mean that you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live. How much prep work are we talking beforehand for that speech? 
lots of prep, lots of stress and anxiety. And the interesting thing is that I remember he, you know, he gave that speech and then he called me up on stage. And when we went backstage, he was actually frustrated because he said he messed up that part. And he sort of, he ended up, he said that he misspoke a little bit. And I think it's really interesting that that sort of became the, the cornerstone of that speech. And that became the most powerful moment in that speech. And I actually, I was talking to someone earlier that I, that I met while I was out here. And they said something really interesting that I think was that sort of, sums that up. He said that people, everyone is either living or they are dying. And he said that my dad was living up until the moment that he died. He was never at a time in his life when he was dying. He was always living. And that is something that I think is important to me. And I think that's what he was trying to communicate. On a scale of one to 10, how nervous was he before him? Oh, 11, 12. <laughs> <laughs> But I think once yeah, he got up to there, he was definitely, he definitely found his own. For sure. Uh, he said in the speech, uh, his biggest accomplishment in life was to be a dad to Taylor and Sydney. And he said that y'all call him a tyrant and there's an acronym for tyrant. I know Google <laughs> is your friend. What is that acronym though? Oh, what is the acronym for tyrant? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm not sure. I think that, you know, as much as my sister and I could find many, many complaints, I don't think too many of them were, were far outside the scope of the standard father and daughter adjectives and acronyms that there were. Um, I know that he always worked to do what was best for my sister and I, and sometimes we disagreed on what was best for us. And so, you know, as long as all of us were in that pursuit of you know, getting us to where we wanted to be and getting us to a place where we were happy and where we were successful and ambitious and, you know, whatever, whatever sort of happened in between, it, it sure. is worth it for, yeah. for my sister and I. Oh, and actually my sister is here now. I have her over here on this other phone. Um, Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can, ma'am. You, you have excellent timing too. How are you? <laughs> Hi, I am calling in from France. <laughs> Well, it's a lot to be happy for in France these days. You're right. The the the, the World Cup celebration was probably the, the craziest sports event that I've ever gotten the chance, gotten the person personally got the opportunity to experience. It was just unlike anything I had ever experienced before. Tell me about it. What did you see? Oh, oh my goodness! It was it was very strange because I grew up with a I grew up in the sports field, but I never had a team. So I saw other people kind of participating. And, you know, when I would go to someone's house and their whole family rooted for the team, I would root with them. But it was very strange because to have an entire country rooting for a team to, you know, this was, it was 20 years. It's been 20 years since they won their first one. So it was very interesting to see 20 years later to watch this kind of, this homecoming of the World Cup, it was it was insane. I remember being in the, we went to like a little Scottish bar, so there was people of all sorts of nationalities, but we were all jumping and screaming, and I saw grown men crying. I remember we were jumping up and down, and there was a chant that said, qui ne se fait pas de pas foncer, which means, he who doesn't jump is in French. And again, half of us there weren't French, but we were jumping anyway. And it was just, it, it was very interesting to see the togetherness, there was so much car surfing, you just high-fived everyone as they came down the street, leaning out of their cars, leaning off their motorcycles, um, there was fireworks, there was people, I saw one girl, she stole a metro sign, she was just walking down the street, she had to take it a metro sign, it was insanity. 
Scoopy Radio on the line with Taylor and Sydney Scott, daughters of legendary ESPN broadcaster Stuart Scott. Taylor's calling in from France, and Sydney's in the U.S. of A. And, you know, it's interesting because when I hear you talk about that, it reminds me, on, at least on the American soil, of Cleveland and the redemptive story of them winning a championship Cavaliers in 2016. Yes, and I think that was the first moment that I I got to be a part of, I guess, being a part of a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for that. There's so many once-in-a-lifetime sports opportunities, but to be in the place, you have to be at the right place at the right time to be in the heart of it when there's that type of victory. And I got the opportunity. This was the first time I had gotten that opportunity. For sure, and and, and your your sister represented the family well. I want to ask you a similar question. Um, What was it like for you uh, growing up? In, in, the, in the Scott household? I think, I mean, it, I feel very lucky because to me, he wasn't Stuart Scott. He was just dad. So I got to have, I mean, I think he was very fun. Yeah, he, I think he was funny, you know, annoying sometimes. But I feel lucky to have the, the childhood experience that I did. Um, but I do think it was also very, there, was, there were challenges growing up and always being identified by who you were related to. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember wanting to be my own person. But now, because I guess growing up and seeing his impact, it's allowed me a greater appreciation for the role that he had outside of being a public, outside of being my father, his role as a public figure. Um, and I really think that it was his, the fact that he was able to kind of have this perseverance that led him to do what he genuinely wanted to do that has affected me. And I think that is what has allowed me to go in a similar direction toward, you know, if there isn't a space for what you want to do, making that space. And I'll ask you this question as well, as uh, Sydney. Uh, I I actually met your father ten years ago uh, when I graduated from undergrad, and he was at VH1, and he was taping uh, a segment for VH1, a culture segment or something they had. They were doing a documentary, and uh, he actually took the time to just sit down and talk with me and ask me what my plans were, and and more and more. Uh, and the thing that stuck out to me was a that he took time, b that he cares. Uh, and and see that, you know, I was somebody that looked like him and he was somebody that looked like me, uh, and he inspired me. How often do you get those type of um, stories told to you about he was the person who inspired another person to become a broadcaster and a journalist? I think that is what has really cemented my belief that rep- uh, in the importance of representation. Um, you know, it's it's very. I strongly believe that it's you can't be what you can't see. So I, the fact that I hear from a lot of you know um, young people who are in the sports broadcasting industry that they they looked on the television and they saw for the first time someone who looks like them and that's what made them think, oh, I can do this too. That is something that I that holds that has been present in my life and you know I, I personally am into, into media and representation and photography and film and going forward I think that has been the greatest lesson that if you see someone who, in whom you can see yourself you can imagine those possibilities for yourself so you said you're in media and film now yes what are you doing specifically um I have just finished my um, first short film um, that I made um, as an ode to my father and to support his Cancer Memorial Research Fund. Um, it's about my father and his siblings as young children during the 70s. It's, I took a bunch of the stories that he had told me about his, his youth and crafted them together into a short script. And that we filmed that last year. and It'll be showing this summer. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm also working on a 
my thesis film, um, I adapted a Gwendolyn Brooks poem into a short screenplay, and we are working mm-hmm. on producing that and then filming it this fall. This question is for both of you. I remember when my, my grandmother uh, was fighting lung cancer in the early 2000s, and uh, I helped her get the chemo, uh, was encouraging her, even prayed with her. Uh, indeed, your dad was tough. I, if I'm not mistaken, he was doing like MMA training and th- like stuff that you would expect people to do uh, in, in, in the phase of cancer that they're in. Can you walk me through, I guess, his chemo process and, and, and what you guys remember and how in- intricate you guys were in that process? I mean, I don't know about Sydney, but I personally think that, and I, I've never been in that situation, but from watching him, it seems that he need that doing what you need to do to, to feel that you get to retain yourself. He wanted to, you know, retain the strength and vitality that he had had for many years. So for him, a lot of people, they said, oh, wow, you're doing MMA, you're doing all these things, isn't that too much, isn't that crazy? But for him, that was what he needed to, to you know, to have that feeling of, I'm still me. So I think that it was really important to him because it allowed him to be, to retain himself in the face of something really difficult. Um, so I think that there's a bunch of, that, that can manifest in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And I think in addition to that, yeah, I think in, in addition to that, sort of what you said earlier about his speech and how he said that what was most important to him was being a dad to my sister and I, I think that what was special or I guess normal about his chemo process was that there was never a time when I felt like he couldn't take care of me, which, you know, mm. shouldn't, that, that shouldn't quite have been how it was because there were points where he, you know, tangibly, he was not, he should not have been able to care for me in the way that he did. And he never made me feel like I had lost my dad. And, you know, my, my sister and I did experience tremendous loss, but I never had the experience of having to sort of watch him in a way that made me feel like I was losing him. I never truly felt like I was losing him until we had lost him. And I think that his ability to train and to make jokes and to still be just as much our dad as he was before he got sick was something that, that became normal for him and for us in his chemo process. David Robinson will be honored with the Stuart Scott Inspire Award. Uh, it's an award in honor of your dad, Stuart Scott, and the award celebrates people that have taken risks and used an innovative approach to helping the disadvantaged through the power of sports. How cool was that? How nice is that? How cool was that for David Robinson to get that honor? I actually, um, I just met him <laughs> um, earlier this week. Um, and so just in having the opportunity to um, I am, you know, I'm really honored to be a part of that legacy and um, for it to be something that is supporting really, really incredible people that can A couple more questions. Uh, you're listening to Scoopy Radio. Subscribe on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitch App, or simply visit ScoopBradio.com. Ladies, I'll keep it all the way real with you. I knew your dad was the man when he was on Drumline. <laughs> That scene when he anchored the Varsity Band competition, I was like, damn, homie, in life, you still a man, homie. Uh, (laughs) How much of a coolest factor was that for you guys? For me, it actually, um, Drumline wasn't the one, I did, I love Drumline, of course, but Drumline wasn't the one that that had quite the the cultural currency with my age group. It was actually um, the game plan 
uh, huh. with, with, with the rock and Madison Pettis and Herbie Fully Loaded. <laughs> and so I remember I ended up watching both of those movies with a friend of mine at some point on a play date when I was little. And, you know, they looked up at the TV and they're like, isn't, isn't that your dad? And, and it was sort of that cool little moment where, you know, he gets to, he sort of gets to be a part of my life in all of these different ways. And that was really cool. Exactly. And for me, I think that the best part about watching Drumline is we were so young then, I get to look back at my dad and as I'm getting older, I'm approaching the age that he was then. So it's like I'm looking back on my dad as like a little a little a young guy. So I really love watching Drumline and looking at his like full mustache because, you know, when when I when I was older that wasn't the case, but I get to look I get to have that look back and be like, Oh, there there's little Guppy Stewart. <laughs> What's next for y'all? You got movies, you got golf tournament appearances. I mean, what 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 is what is next for you all in the next year? What about you, Sid? So I I'm pretty excited about what's coming up in the next year. Um, in the fall, I will be running track at Columbia University. And I'm very, very, very excited about that. I remember actually when I was little, um, I played soccer growing up. Um, I played soccer since I, I played soccer since I was five. And I remember before I was in high school, my dad would actually take me outside sometimes, and he'd find a stick in the woods, and he would practice handoff because he'd run track in high school as well. And so he he had me prepared for a career I was I didn't even know I was going to have at that point. And so. Even though my dad never got to watch me run track, and that's and that's definitely something that that is that's hard. Um, I do feel like he, I still have a part of him in this experience and in in this career change and this career that I'm about to embark on. Um, uh, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm definitely really excited about being in the city. Um, and so that that is the big news for me right now. I'm very excited to start school. And as I mentioned, I, um, I'm finishing up my first short film, and I'm working on my second short film, and I'm getting ready to graduate. So, you know, big things on the horizon for both of us, but we, we're, we're, we're really happy because these are futures that we think that our father would be proud of. What's the best piece of advice that you've ever received from somebody not named Stuart Scott? The best piece of advice I ever received from somebody? Oh, that's a good question. Do you have one, Sid? Um, I'm trying to think. I really like the line, what was it? I think in Boz Lerman's, um, he has a song called Sunshine, and they talk about how worrying is useless because the things that you worry about aren't going to happen, and the things that are going to happen won't be things that you expected. So I think that's, you know, you can't, you can't, predict what will happen in your life. My father couldn't have predicted that, you know, he was only going to get 49 years, but mm. again, if he had worried about it, he didn't worry about it. He lived. And I think that that's, that's kind of what I got out of that. Scoop B Radio. I think the best piece of advice I've received um, from someone besides my dad is to pursue the things that you care about with passion and mm-hmm. to be genuine in the way that you pursue them. And I think that, that that's pretty poignant for me just because, you know, going into college, going into the world can be a very intimidating experience. Um, and I think that if there's something to ground you and that's something that the thing that you ground yourself with is passion and is ambition is just being a genuine person, then I think that there is there is a way, and it's sort of what Taylor was saying before, that, you know, like there is a way that you will go about 
things that don't work, and you can't worry about you can't worry about the things that don't. You just have to pursue the things that you care about in a way that you you know that you can, and honestly, again, this does really back my head in a way that I know he would be proud of me. Last question: LeBron James was one of big was one of uh, your dad's biggest fans. Uh, as a kid growing up in Akron, Ohio, watching him and then obviously him interviewing him and doing his highlights during the game. If your dad was alive today, how do you think he would announce uh, LeBron joining the Lakers? What, what lexicon do you think he'd use? I don't know. I think that he really liked to keep it current. So that's that's some that's something I think about a lot. Like there was there were some. Good, good old go-tos that he had, but he also really liked to incorporate contemporary pop culture and the music of the moment and what was happening at the moment. So I think that, that that's something that I, I, I wouldn't know, but I, I always think about how he would incorporate, whenever something new happens, I always think how would he incorporate that into his, his sports reporting, you know? Sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That'll work. Ladies, thank you so much for joining the Scoopy Radio Podcast today. I wish you well. I wish you success. And thank you for sharing your journey with us. Oh, thank you so much. It was lovely. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Scoopy Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 